In May of 1972, in the city of Osaka, Japan, there was a fire at Senichi department store. On the top floor of the store was a popular nightclub filled with partygoers. Within minutes, more than 100 people would die in Japan's worst building fire since World War II. Their ghostly presence is said to still linger to this very day in the Namba district of the city. My name's Kevin O'Shea, and you're listening to Supernatural Japan. Supernatural Japan, Episode 1, Sinichi Department Store Fire, and Hauntings at Big Camera. Welcome to Supernatural Japan. My name is Kevin O'Shea and I'm your host as we explore some of the most mysterious aspects of Japan. From haunted places, ghostly tales, to encounters with UFOs, we'll cover all things supernatural in a country that never ceases to surprise us. Now I wanted to start this first episode with taking a quick look at the city of Osaka, Japan itself. So Osaka is a city in Japan and it's located at the mouth of the Yodo River on Osaka Bay in the Kansai region of the main island of Honshu. The city is the capital of Osaka Prefecture. It's often dubbed as the second city of Japan, and Osaka was historically the commercial capital of Japan and is the heart of Japan's second largest and world's ninth largest metropolitan population. The population of Osaka is considerably lower than its peak in the 1960s, and since the end of the 1990s, many major companies have moved their main offices to Tokyo. Osaka is the home of the innovative Kansai Airport, built on an artificial island in Osaka Bay and designed to withstand typhoons and earthquakes. And Osaka is traditionally considered the nation's kitchen, Tenka no Daidokoro, or the gourmet food capital of Japan. Now, the city has a long history and is home to many ancient shrines and temples, and to the famous Osaka Castle built by Toyotomi Hideyoshi in the late 16th century. Now, for the first episode of Supernatural Japan Podcast, I wanted to take a look at a story from the Kansai region of Japan. So my wife is from Osaka, and her family still lives there. I lived in nearby, nearby Kobe for nearly 10 years, and now every time we return to Japan to visit family, we base ourselves in Osaka. During 2020, for almost an entire year, my family wasn't able to return to where I work in Shenzhen, China, and spent a lot of that time living in the Nishiyotagawa ward of Osaka. <clears throat> now, I spent countless hours wandering the old back streets of that older part of Osaka, mostly at night, documenting abandoned buildings and other creepy things that I saw. And if any place in Japan were to be haunted or host the supernatural, those old neighborhoods would be the perfect place. In episode one, we're going to take a look at one of the most tragic incidents in modern Osaka, an incident that led <clears throat> to the area being known as a haunted place, the area that is now known to be haunted, uh, to be haunted, uh, to have the haunted electronic shop Bic Camera. So today, in the Namba district of Osaka, there stands an eight-story building that houses one of Osaka's most famous electronic shops, Bic Camera. Before COVID-19, travel restrictions came in in 2020. There are, um, that part of Osaka was very crowded, very energetic, and filled with tourists from around the world buying cool electronics. The store stands at the entrance of the Sinichi Shopping Arcade, a street filled with shops and restaurants. There are several big camera locations in Osaka, but the one in Namba is apparently haunted 
apparently it's quite haunted. The entire area where, where Big Camera now stands is quite, has quite a dark and somber past. The Battle of Tanaji in 1615 left many thousands of people dead. Tokugawa Ieyasu ordered the corpses to be buried in a number of mass graves, and one of these is reputed to be located beneath the Big Camera building. During the Tokugawa Shogunate, the land was also used, they say, as an execution ground. Now, of course, we know that any place that's got a mass grave in the area underneath it is probably probably has some bad juju. When I was living in Osaka in 2020, a mass grave was discovered near Osaka Station during construction. And I personally have to admit that after dark, um, that after that story broke, I kind of got the willies in that area, especially if I was ever there after dark. At the moment, <clears throat> I'm based in Shenzhen, China. And even here in China, in Shenzhen, the most haunted building in the city is apparently built on top of a mass grave. The Bank of China Tower, which is located in the Futian district of the city um, in Shenzhen, is said to be built on an old execution ground. And there are lots of interesting um, stories and tales all about the Bank of China Tower. So, but we're talking about Big Camera tonight. So let's get back onto Big Camera and its haunted past. So the building that currently houses Big Camera's Namba store has been there for a long time. It was built in the 1980s and first played host to a global branch of a French department store. But that building is quite literally built on the ashes of yet another department store, a uniquely Japanese one. Between the late 1950s and early 1970s, the ground on which Big Camera now stands was occupied by the Senichi department store. The Sinichi department store, which on the night before Mother's Day in 1972, burned to the ground, killing 118 people. And to this day, the Sinichi department store fire remains Japan's deadliest building fire. So, there's no surprise that this part of Osaka has a ghostly reputation. <clears throat> in 1932, the Osaka Kabukiza... Osaka's first modern kabuki theater opened in Namba. It was a large and modern facility for that time and had a seating capacity of more than 3,000 people. But although it did well in its early years, things changed after the conclusion of World War II. During this period, kabuki fell out of favor with the popular masses and ticket sales fell hugely, and this forced kabukiza to close in 1958. It moved to a smaller nearby location in Shin. Kabukiza, and after the Kabuki Theater left, the building was renovated and turned into something new, Senichi Department Store. Now, the store wasn't originally meant to be a department store. The plan during the construction was to be something similar to what we would now think of as a shopping mall or a shopping arcade filled with individual stores and counters rented out by independent merchants, rather than one large store with different departments. And if the store had opened up under its original model, it would have been the first shopping center to have opened in Japan. However, due to a lack of applications from tenants, the model was changed to that of a standard department store. And the store finally opened in 1958 under the name Sinichi Department Store. Now, by the 1970s, the Sinichi Department Store was like many department stores at the time. And it was, it was a place where you could do a lot more than just go shopping. The basement... Um, had a full food hall, restaurants, coffee shops, special event space that was at the time occupied by a haunted house attraction. The first and second floors held a total of 126 specialty stores. 
Um, and the, the Namba Senichi Mai clothing store took up the third and fourth floors. And a supermarket and beauty salon were on the fifth floor. An arcade, also known as a game center, occupied the sixth floor, along with the remains of a theater space that was slated to be turned into a bowling alley. And a cabaret nightclub called Playtown, called the seventh floor home. And on the rooftop, there were many other things, such as an amusement park that included a Ferris wheel that had opened in 1960. Now, the department store was open from 10 a.m. until 9 p.m., except for the nightclub Playtown on the seventh floor. That club was open until 11 p.m., and it was one of the most popular nightlife spots in Osaka. On a Saturday night, it was very common for the place to be filled to capacity, packed with party goers. And this was the case on the evening of Saturday, May 13th, 1972, but this evening would end in complete disaster. Around 10.27 p.m., flames were sparked on the third floor near the bedding and kimono department. Now, people aren't sure exactly how the fire started, but many people suspect it was a cigarette butt thrown by a construction worker. But it also could have been the fault of faulty wiring. Extensive electrical work was scheduled to be carried out on the third floor in just a little over a week. And the presence of construction workers who were preparing the area for the upcoming work and there was a possibility of a flaw in the electrical system which may have triggered the fire. Whatever the case, the effect was immediate as there was a column of flames and a wave of thick black smoke. Efforts to extinguish the flames failed. It was simply too strong and burned too brightly. By 10.40 p.m., that's right, just a few minutes later, it made it to the fourth floor through an opening in an escalator whose fire cover shutter was open. From there, it continued to spread, sucking up all of the oxygen in the building. Around this time, the partygoers at Playtown began to detect the presence of smoke. They soon realized that the building was ablaze. The elevators were inoperable, but due to some fatal flaws in design of the building and issues with the construction within it. So they couldn't use those elevators. The fire exits weren't accessible either. It was found that the fire exits were actually had been locked, and by the time the fire, the first firefighters arrived at 10.43, the inside of the club had turned into a, a scene of mass panic. At 10.49, the lights went out, and that's when people inside, who were trapped, started to jump out of the windows. Some people did escape, <clears throat> but by 11.30 p.m., it was determined that there, was no, there were no more survivors left alive in the building. Firefighters stopped trying to rescue people, and focus on putting out the fire. The fire was finally put out at 5.30 p.m. on the following day, Monday, May 14th. The city department store fire ultimately claimed 118 lives, most from carbon monoxide poisoning, but some fell to their deaths and three from injuries sustained during the mass panic. They were basically trampled as people in the club tried to escape. All of them had been at the Playtown Club when the fire began. The death toll, combined with the additional 78 injured people during the night, had cemented this as the worst building fire in post-war Japanese history. Now, the ruins of the former department store remained in place for a full decade before finally being demolished in 1982. And just two years later, in 1984, a new shop opened in the newly constructed building where Sinichi Department Store had once stood. A branch of the French department store, Primtombe, which had started to recently expand globally, was built 
in its place. The French department store would eventually go out of business. The building had been renovated almost two decades later, in 2001. It reopened with yet another tenant within. In 2001, the Namba location of Bic Camera began welcoming customers, and it's still there today. Now, with a past like that, obviously a lot of strange things are rumored to have happened in that area after the fire. After the French department store had opened, there were rumors about ghostly things that were happening. It said that staff refused to work unless they could wear protective prayer beads to ward off spirits. One story goes that on a special late night sale from the gift wrapping counter area, a woman's voice could be heard to shout, fire, fire, fire. This ghostly alarm can be heard at the same time the fire started on the 13th of May. Now, it's also been reported by many employees who smoked in the underground employee lounge that they would get a heavy feeling on their shoulders, like a strong pushing feeling on their shoulders, and they would constantly feel this if they were smoking. Was this because the 1972 fire had possibly been started by a cigarette or a smoking accident? Do you think that ghosts were really unhappy with people smoking? Some witnesses say they've seen women wearing kimonos in the restroom who simply disappear into the wall. Now, people in the neighborhood around the Sinichimai Arcade have said that they hear sometimes the sounds of heavy thuds at night. Now, could this be the sound of people falling just like they did that night in 1972 as they jumped for survival and ultimately death out of the windows of the Playtown nightclub? Some people say that sometimes when they're traveling in the Sinichimai subway line running underneath the building, they can hear cries of help floating out of the walls. There are also tales of taxi drivers picking up women dressed in kimonos in front of the building. The women get in the cabs and make small talk with the drivers. The drivers will sometimes find that the passengers have vanished by the time they arrive at the destination. The club did have a number of kimono-wearing hostesses who worked at the Playtown nightclub that night. So, there was also a story that the company that supplied the elevator music to the store had received complaints of strange sounds that were mixed with recordings that were scaring the elevator staff. The sound company checked the state of the tapes in the elevator and heard the strange and distinct sound of women crying. A new recording was made and sent to the store, but the sounds were heard again. The only time this happened, of course, was when the elevator was in use. People could still continue to hear the sounds of crying women in the background of the music. Now, lots of eerie occurrences have been reported in this area in the decades since the tragic fire. I myself have been in this area several times in the past. But it was always in the middle of a busy day, and I wasn't aware at all of the area's tragic past. I also have to admit that I didn't have the same interest in the paranormal that I do today. So the next time my family and I are staying in Japan, I will definitely make the time to explore this section of Namba through a different lens than I did in the past. Again, this is a very popular tourist destination, and I have spent many hours wandering the streets and back alleys of the Namba you know, part of Osaka. But again, at the time, I had no idea of this history, the stories, the past. So again, like I said, I'll look at things through a different lens the next time I'm there. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the Supernatural Japan podcast. Each episode will definitely have a different twist. We will sometimes have guests, 
Sometimes I'll have friends on chatting about these different incidents, tales, activities. Um, But yeah, so thank you so much for taking the time to listen to episode one of the Supernatural Japan podcast. Now you can follow the Supernatural Japan podcast on Instagram at Supernatural Japan. Um, you can see lots of pictures from the different episodes. <clears throat> so, for example, from this episode, there will be photos of the uh, Sinichi department store um, and pictures from the, the night the fire. They were battling the fire. Um, you can also see pictures of Bic Camera, what that looks like today, and what that area of Osaka looks like today. <clears throat> so go follow the uh, Supernatural Japan Instagram feed at Supernatural Japan. And come on over and join the conversation at the Supernatural Japan Facebook group. It's a Facebook group. Um, It's a community we're just going to start building now. So you're welcome to come on over to the Supernatural Japan Facebook group. The link is in the show notes for this episode, which is all the writing that's down below. You'll see the link. So go join and um, we'll give you permission to come and join the group. And that's it for now. Of course, be sure to rate uh, the podcast wherever you listen to it. And... Give us a review. We're new on Anchor and soon, well, maybe you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, It's a a brand new podcast, so we would really appreciate your support. That would be super duper awesome. And I mean, this is going to be a podcast that's all about the weird side of Japan, sometimes serious, sometimes not so serious. But each episode will be something very interesting indeed. All right. So I'm Kevin. I'm your host and uh, looking forward to you listening to us again.